Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Before we start, I just want to say that we record these podcasts uh, weeks in advance. So I wanted just to acknowledge that what's going on in this country um, is sad, to say the least. The systemic racism in this country needs to be addressed 100%. No justice, no peace. Black lives matter. Let's change the world and make it a better place. Now, let's laugh. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Hey everyone, welcome to uh, Kill Me Now. I'm Judy Gold, your host, and I'm so excited. Okay, first of all, I've been trying to get this guest on forever, and it's like, you know, I see him often, because I do his radio show, and you know, and I'm like, will you do my podcast? And he's like, yes, but he's really bad at communicating, which we'll discuss that later, because he's a guy. He's a guy, 
So he'll go, yes, but then he'll say yes, but then he won't follow up. He's just whatever, but he's fucking hilarious. I've known him since he started doing stand-up. He is a delight. He's one of the good guys in this business. He loves lesbians. He really respects women. I have never, I would say he's one of the handful of male, straight male comics who have the utmost respect for for women. I just fucking love him and don't tell him. But ladies and gentlemen, oh, he has a new book out, which is fucking amazing. Well, it's his second book, actually. Netflix special. He's done so much shit. I can't even tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the NPR host. Well, he did get to host, which we are going to discuss the um, how I can never be on. Wait, wait, don't tell me because it fucking pisses me off. But ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Tom Papa is here. Woo! Tom, I'm Finally. so excited. I'm We're so excited. I'm doing so it. We're really, really doing it. It took a pandemic for him to be fucking available to me. That's all I have to say. But I've always busy. been available. You have an excellent work ethic. <laughs> Tom, your book is so good. Thank you. Are you Thank getting you. like amazing? I'm getting good love for it, for sure. Which is it's, really, it's called You're Doing Great and Other Reasons great. to Stay Alive. Uh, and let me tell you something. Yeah. It's such a great read. It's a fun read. And it's funny. Like, it's such, it's so perfect for now. And no, it's very you. positive. You know, as you know, I'm very positive. I look at the bright side. <laughs> yes. Um, it's what everybody says. It's a perfect, it's like perfect for now. It's so perfect. I didn't, Thank I you. actually bought one. I wasn't, um, wow. I wasn't sent one. Um, like I'm sure all your other fucking friends got free, <laughs> but you're doing great. Yeah. Did you write a review? Did you write a review on Amazon? Oh, I will. And you're going to write a review on mine, right? Yes, of course. It's coming out in July. I have such a big Ooh. nose. Anyway, Tom, <laughs> we have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. Don't don't give me that. When are we doing your li- your radio show again? That's my favorite. Will you do a live-ish one from home? Yes. All right. Then I'm going to hit you up in uh, a week's time. Do I get to do a skit? Yes. All right. That's all you get to do. Go fuck yourself. Um, Tom Papa, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is actually Thomas Papa Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone was on Wikipedia. Someone does a lot of research anyway, so shut the fuck up. Um, He is a New Jersey native, as am I. Yes. He is Italian. I'm not, but- Close, close. I I grew up next to the DiSavinos and the Antonellis, and there's a thing about Jews and Italians in New Jersey. We are one. We are one. We are a unit. All my girlfriends um, were Weinsteins and Feinsteins. Really? Did you go to a lot of bar and bar mitzvahs when you were rich? Sure did. Yes, you did. You are also one of three children. Mm-hmm. And each one of those ch- children is very successful in their own right. So mm-hmm. your parents did an excellent job. Now, the one thing I can't find anywhere is your childhood. Like, I know that you... We're a Jersey kid. I know stuff from the book, but it seems like it was kind of 
Now, when I say uneventful, I mean uneventful in the you weren't raped and pillaged and homeless. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, yeah. but you're smart and I don't know. I just like, it was, I, I, and I can't find anything about your mother. Oh, that's interesting. I yeah. wonder why. I wonder I why. Maybe you're trying to hold it on, keep it away from everyone. So, Well, I, I don't control the internet. Shut the fuck up. So you, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot the Weinstein for the bar mitzvah. All right. This is the Jew bell. Anything remotely Jewish gets a, a bell. Oh, okay. Um, you have uh, a brother. No. Okay. This is shit then. That's come up recently, though. So there must be something on on Wikipedia is, or something. And it's like, and I kept looking. I did extra research. I was like, I never knew he had. All right, so the sportscaster or something. Yeah, yeah. And he looks nothing like you. He's not um, related. So, all right, are you the oldest? I am. Yes, I knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're one of three. Yes. You have two younger sisters. How? Unless they're they them's. You were born in Passaic, but did you grow up in Montvale or you went to? Yeah, school? nearby. Uh, Montvale is where my high school was. Yes. Pascack Hills. But I grew up in Park Ridge and Woodcliffe Lake, which border, okay. which border Montvale. And what did your parents do? You, you, I know your father were, had money because you discuss it in your book. But. Was it a typical mother staying home and raising the children, father working? What was your childhood mm, like? It was, my father was uh, worked in sales for all these early communication companies, mm. like all of the stuff that became everything that we're doing now. He right. was in the early days of all of that. And he worked in sales doing that and and hustled around. And my mother went back to school to get her college degree when I was like probably kindergarten, first grade. Wow. She started, she started going back to school, probably maybe second grade, something like that, because I think she graduated a little, like uh, it took her like nine years, but she was, she was, um, wanted to go back to school. I, my father was this traditional Italian dad right. and my mother was that, but she, got into feminism and going back to school Fucking and she started, her. she started doing all of that stuff and then uh, graduated from college before I graduated from high school. And then she started her own advertising agency, a small so where did agency she go to college? In, in New Jersey, uh, Ram- Ramapo, Ramapo. Oh yeah. Ramapo. I know. What yeah. You yeah, yeah. Um, in I Jersey. went to Rutgers. You went to Ryder. Yeah. folks. Jersey. Um, so that's interesting that your mother was a feminist and married to it, a traditional Italian man. That must have. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, intense. which was, uh, which was good. I think, I think, uh, I think it kind of had this traditional family, but you had a mom who um, saw more for herself. Do you feel like th- th- that your mother doing that and like going to college and being a feminist and starting or made you the sort of very gentleman-like lover of women. Yes, that was definitely, that was definitely a part of it. And also um, having two sisters. Two sisters, right. But you know, younger. 
right. who were younger, the- who I had to like, you know, was taught to respect and care for them. Right. Um, did you, how was your parents' marriage? Was it good? It was good. They were high school sweethearts. They met in Clifton, New Jersey. Oh my God. It's a whole New Jersey tale. Get Corey <laughs> Booker on the line, folks. <laughs> and they, uh, yeah, they, they're still together now. They're still, they're in their- How long have they been married? Early 70s. What? They've been married That's 50. It? Yeah. They've got, they, you know, it started in high school and then they went right to- I know, but right it's not, like, I kind of, I envy that, that the, you know, like I had older, my father was 48. My mother was 41 when I was born. They're both dead. dead. Right. I know and, that's. And I didn't get to know my father that, well, I mean, he never saw me become successful or anything. And, right. And my mother's dead. Did I mention that? And yeah. which, yeah. as you know, when my mother died, you know, Joy Behar was like, and what are you going to do? You have no material. <laughs> So she's not even Jewish, but she kind of, but it's, that must be pretty amazing. So like, you don't it worry is pretty about cool. your like, I No, like I remember being, I remember when I was even like younger and like in high school and college and people would meet my parents and be like, well, your parents are so young. They seem so young. And I remember always kind of feeling good about that. Cause I guess subconsciously it meant, oh, they're, they're going to be around for a long time. Right. And they, and they're doing well. They're, you know, they're holed up in, uh, in their little townhouse and they're doing their thing and they still go out on motorcycle rides in their early seventies. Yeah. My father rides a bike and my mom gets on the back and they go. Oh my God. And it is, uh, it is one of those kind of lucky things that uh, it's So you knew your parents were younger than everyone else's parents. Yeah. It felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, uh, which gives you like an odd sense of security. Do you feel like, cause like Elisa, my lover, her parents were 21 and 22 when she was born. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like we had completely opposite childhoods, but also that she is in a way more responsible because she sort of had to grow up with her parents. You know what I mean? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because it's, like when you're little, though, when I was little, I didn't. I still saw them as parents. You right. Know, as like this, this dominant, huge superheroes. But uh, oh, it's it's looking back now, and being like, you, they were babies. They were such babies. My parents, when I was like, when they, I was graduating school, and they were, you know, just turning forty, and it was just like, I can't believe no how little they were. Way. Yeah, I can't believe how little they were, but they were, but to me, it was always just their right, parents. Right, parents, and they yeah. were responsible. Yeah, I they were, Yeah, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I became responsible because I needed to back them up. Maybe my mom a little. She talks, she tells very funny stories about when she was first starting out and like things were going, and she was always looking to me for advice and for stuff. And I oh. have no, I have no memory of that, but she tells right. these very funny stories of, you know, looking to this four-year-old and being like, what do you think, Tom? <laughs> like, what, how, are we getting, how, how do we get the car fixed? <laughs> wow, that's hilarious. Hey, everyone. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. 
Fast-growing trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but fast growing trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces, but I live in an apartment and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew. The space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. Were you popular in school? Was it normal? Was it like an idyllic sort of upbringing? Yeah, yeah. No depression, no anxiety? No, very genetically lucky. I did not have to deal with any kind of uh, depression or any of that stuff. I don't know how the fuck you became a comic. All right, and then... Well, you said you went to bar mitzvahs. Were you involved in sports, like the theater? Like, what was your? I was, um, I was, I was very funny as a kid. I knew, like, from like second grade ish, that I was actively funny, going in front of the class and being funny and and loving it and loving, and loving it. it, loving it, loving it, loving it. And then, but I was also an athlete at the same time. I was. What you play? Playing football when I was in kindergarten. Ew. <laughs> Yeah, I can't even imagine you as a football player. I know. That's what everybody says. My father played football and he was really successful and played through college. He did? And then, yeah. And then, and he loved it. And that was like our little, our connection. I love being an athlete. I loved working out and being, I played right. basketball. I played track. I really? did. I did. And I was, uh, and I was, yeah. And I was really good. And I, cause I was big. I was the same size now as I was right. when I was like, in in sixth grade. Uh, so I was the captain of the football team and the class clown. What? And yeah. did you do well in school? Like great? I did okay. I did okay. I just didn't, whatever, it was enough to keep my parents off my back. Like if I got C pluses, B minuses, I would be okay. Are you fucking kidding? So no. not Jewish. I, yes. I, if I got a 99 on a test by mother, yeah. why didn't you get a hundred? Who else got a hundred? Who else in the, and I was like, oh my God, can I fucking ever fulfill anything? <laughs> no. Um, okay. No. So I can't believe you were so athletic. Okay. Yeah. 
And it was, it was like, you know, it was suburban New Jersey, northern right. New Jersey, suburban Which is New what Jersey. made me, like, did you have a girl in your, do you remember the kid that got picked on and was tortured? Oh, yeah. Okay, of that course. was me. That was me. Really? Yes. It was awful. Did you ever come to that person's defense? Or oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You did? That was my, that was my thing. I went... I went through like a year. There was like a year where I was aggressive and like, and a would be a jerk and would pick yeah. on other kids. But I quickly learned in junior high that that wasn't cool. <laughs> and, right. and I befriended all, of, I have this, I have this thing in my life where all of my closest friends um, were tiny. They were small right. and they would get picked on and I would hang around them and just wait for somebody to mess with them. And right. then, and then go after them. Sometimes they, it was like a wise ass kid who would right. like start trouble just so I would be able to fight for them. Uh, so that there was shades of it not being cool, but I was totally attracted always, always to small oddballs. Okay. And but I wasn't small. And you weren't small, but I would be friends. With I would have been friends with you. I would have been friends. With I think you sure. would have been friends with me. There was yes. one guy I remembered that, cause I was in the band marching band and he was real, <laughs> shut the fuck up. And he was really handsome and really popular. And he played a brass instrument. So he was kind of cool. I played clarinet. So, uh-huh. um, <laughs> and I remember one day and he was really nice to me. And smart, you know, and he said, uh, we were in the, in the parking lot of school and he was like, Hey, you want to drive my car? And I was like, Oh my God. And, (laughs) and it was just like, this popular guy is paying attention. I couldn't believe it, but I bet you like that kind of guy. Um, yeah, I had a guy, um, you know, I, I was very into being an athlete for sure, but I was also very into being funny and, and, um, being friends with everybody. That was my, I was, you know, I, I was popular, but it was, I worked hard at right. being friends with everybody. And I, just to pat myself on the back, cause it's such a cool story. I had a guy come from my first book, uh, came to a book signing. Yeah. And, uh, and he was a kid I went to high school with and he stood up at this book signing and talked about how when he came to school, he was kind of different. He had a kind of like a little, he was just a different kid and people were picking on him. And that I came to his defense as like this popular kid. And then I came and, and backed everyone off and supported him and became his, his friend and looked out for him. And he, and he's sitting there at like a, you know, 45 year old man. Right. Telling, you never telling the story. It made me feel like maybe I was a pretty good, cool Did guy. Did you remember him? <laughs> yes. Yes. I've, I wanted, I've wanted to do a show for my, you know, entire adult life about, <laughs> bullying about kids meeting their childhood bullies mm-hmm. um because i feel like the bullied like me mm-hmm. i remember everything even though i fake that i don't when, yeah. I, when I'm around, you know yeah. uh, <laughs> and and i feel like the people who were the bullies don't even have no idea the effect they had no way on, you know what i mean and i remember i did one of my one person shows uh, the Judy show, my life is a sitcom. And I talk about, you know, being bullied at school. And Mm -hmm. uh, one of these girls I went to high school with, uh, came up to me. She had come to, I was in, uh, at the Williamstown theater festival. And she came up to me after she waited and she said, I'm, you know, Mindy, 
every no. girl was named Mindy. <laughs> and, um, and I, and, uh, do you remember me? And I, every time I see someone from high school who was fucking mean to me, I'm like, yeah. you look really familiar, but you like in my head, I'm like, you fucking ass, you know, you know, and, you knew her. Yeah. And yeah. she said, was I ever mean to you? And I was like, no, you weren't, <laughs> but you hung around with all the jerks that were, but it was like, she had no idea. Like she had no idea. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. You, you don't, uh, and you know, it's kind of interesting as we're talking about it because, um, you know, I was big in, in sports and kind of aggressive. And like I said, I like had like a moment of like, I could pick on other kids if I wanted to. Um, so you and then could I have shifted. gone either way. Yeah. yeah. And then I shifted and I didn't. And I'm, it's probably because my father was, uh, he was very, you know, strong and aggressive guy. Like he was very, you know, but I, he must have, but he had a sensitivity to him also is as strict as he was. And he was, you know, really strict and, well, he was really and tough. Strict. Oh yeah. Big time. And, uh, but he had a, you know, respect other people kind of thing. I probably, if he had been a jerk, I probably would have gone that way. Right. And he, this, I'm, I'm just speaking right now without even thinking about it and clearing up in my head what he did, but it obviously went the other way. Right. And I, but I know like from, from, for bullies, they usually are bullied at home. They're usually bullied by their, that's reinforced and, and, or right. they're abused by their parents or whatever. Right. So I was lucky enough not to have that. So do you feel like you're, I feel like every comic is really competitive. Don't you think? Yes. But do you think you got that from sports? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I got that from sports for sure. I think, uh, I think sports gave me, uh, self-esteem sports gave me a work ethic. Like I was, that's I, yeah. I like, I had little sayings like we, you know, in junior high of like, if right. you, if you want something bad enough, what you have to do to go get it and right. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. All those. Well, I know that with Ben, my, you know, my younger son Yeah, is he's going to play basketball for Tulane. I yeah. gave, I gave birth to a division one athlete and um, amazing. I know. And I watch him, he, you know, his work ethic with basketball reminds me so much of me starting out doing stand-up. Like, yeah, you know, that, you know, I want this and I'm going to be the best at it and I'm going to go out there every fucking, I don't care where I perform, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I see that in him, which is, you know, and I it's wasn't an athlete, but I was, yeah. But he definitely But it's the has, same. You found some, you both found something you really liked and it didn't matter. Right. You all of a sudden you're not doing it for other people. You're doing it for yourself. And also, but it's so hard for boys to do that. You know, like you think about it, you know, he's in high school. He could have gone the other way too. He could have gone smoking pot, like, you know, sure. And, do, and gone been like, you know, I'd rather have fun with my friends than put all this work in. But he, yeah. he was like, yeah. I have a Cause he has good parents. Go. Right, bitches. Um, there's a really great story, which I love in your book, about your friend Nancy, who you kind of realize this is my first time I kind of have feelings for a girl. Yeah. Uh, and then you're really young. Yeah. Emily, who I fucking want to punch her face in. Um, <laughs> and when I was reading it, I was like, oh, my God, that's so Tom that he finds this girl, Nancy, you guys are like friends. You're like, oh, this is weird. And then Emily, <laughs> that you created this whole thing in your head <laughs> that 
about Emily. So you go in your mother's drawer and steal <laughs> her jewelry and are like, I'm going to, because you, I mean, it, the way you write it is so great. Like I know men, when you, when you fall in love with a girl, you buy them jewelry. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and you um, take them to dinner and this is all the shit you do to, for, and you get a box and you put a, a necklace in and you give yeah. it, you, and your presentation was so bad. You just saw her at school and handed in, her the box. It wasn't yeah, in like fourth grade. Your school, yeah. <laughs> yeah it wasn't I just like panicked. <laughs> yeah, you I, and you see her and you're like here, <laughs> and she's like, "This is ugly." Fuck <laughs> her. Where is she? Do you know where she is now? I don't know. That was fourth grade. That was like the first time I I went out on a limb like that. So right. it was, I have no idea. I don't know where she is now. I have no idea. Fuck yeah. you, Emily. <laughs> asshole. I yeah, Emily. So you grow, you grow. Why was that so Tom? Why was that so Tom? That was just so Tom that you did like everything perfect. Like you went, <laughs> you, you, you put it in a box, you were all ready. And then you're like here. And I don't know. It's just so Tom because you're, so, I don't know. There's something about you that. You're cool. You're caught. Con- you're you have this confidence that is so. But you have you have an amazing amount of confidence, and an equal amount of vulnerability. It's just a <laughs> weird combina- combination. Like most guys are dicks when they have that much confidence. Like right. you have the confidence, but then you are like a mush bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> That's and where you, the, ath- the athlete and the yeah, artist is, right? Right. It's such a weird combination. <laughs> so, yeah. um, all right. So you go through high school, <laughs> you graduate, you go to Ryder College. Did you play co- sports in, at college? No, I went to Ryder College because they had no sports. Really? Mm-hmm. That was my, that's why I went because I was done with it. When I was done with football senior year, which is, you know, like winter of senior year. Were you year, like, I was done. Did you went to the prom? Uh, yes. Always had girlfriends, went to the prom. Did you make out in the hallways by your locker? I hated that shit. Yeah. Once in a while. Yeah. With the comb in the not back a, pocket. Not, Remember yeah. the big combs in the back pocket? New Jersey yeah. was so like, I feel like growing up in New Jersey is like an experience, like growing up nowhere else in the world. <laughs> I know it really is true. Yeah, yeah. I had a. Uh, I remember one time in in fifth grade trying to see like how many buttons down on my shirt. Oh yeah. Do I do it so that my medallion can show? <laughs> <laughs> That's so Italian. It's so Jersey. I know. Uh, uh, but so- uh, yeah, no. So I went to so. But when when football was over at, at senior year, I was done. I was like, "All right, that was good. That was my college. That was my did sports your, what career." What did your father say? He was hinting around that I should, I could play Division three. You know, I could keep going, and and there's all these there's all these other schools that you could go and play football. But I was just done, and I knew what's the point. I'm not going to keep. I'm not going to be a professional athlete. I want. I wanted to be a stand up comedian since seventh grade. I want to go towards the arts. And uh, and Ryder College had a theater department, but they got banned from football for some infraction. And I was like, this is perfect. I can go here. And it's like it's it takes the blame off of me because they just right, don't right, right, have right. it. You know, 
why do you think what happened in seventh grade that made you want to be a stand-up? Uh, Got your I first was, laugh. I was really funny, and I was I was with all of these um, older kids for a summer because everyone went to camp, but we didn't go to camp. Yeah. So I was Jews. hanging out. Yeah, yeah. So I was hanging out. Right. It was a very Jewish neighborhood. Yeah. So there was so was, everyone left except for like the older kids and me. And this one week, I listened. I went into my friend's room, uh, brother's room with all older kids. And they were listening to Steve Martin's Let's Get Small. Oh, yeah. On album. And then at the end of that week, I was at my other friend's house. And we he had George Carlin's oh. uh, Class Clown. Yeah. And it just hit me like, oh, this is a job for grownups. Right. You can be funny. That is like everyone in my life was like in business or whatever. Right. And I was like, oh, you, I could be a funny person as my, as my career. And that just, that was it. It flipped the switch. That Did that's you what, tell anyone? No. Yeah. Cause you knew they'd be yeah. like, Tom, shut the fuck up and get, you know, <laughs> yeah. tea, your but day I, go tea. Yeah. Yeah. But I just turned up funny. I just, then I like, oh, you know, in your own little way, you just turned up, went to work on being funny. Did your father walk around in a, you know, Italian, like the t-shirt, the. No, like the, the tank. The, 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 the white tank. No, yeah. he, it was uh no, no, he wasn't that he would wear t-shirts and stuff. But, right. Uh, but yeah, but he was my big, father. I never saw him without like a button down shirt, even yeah. short sleeves. He had a garden. Really? Alicia's always like your father was gay. I'm like, he wasn't gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So straight, but he was like a Renaissance man, you know, like. Right, right. I like I guys know. like that. Yeah. I like guys like that. My father was, he didn't care what he was wearing. He was right. definitely like not into, you know, even to this day. It's like, I like you because you're very dapper. Yeah. So, I, I don't think he looks in the mirror. Right. <laughs> Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. I read that you would go to the Jersey shore for your vacation, like in the summertime, as mm-hmm. most New Jersey people do. Yeah. Um, we on, on our vacations would get in the car and we would go to some historical place. And my father would have had like every minute was planned out. We're going to hear this. We're going to learn about that. You know, it was like, but you said you went to the Jersey shore and, and uh, you go to Atlantic city mm-hmm. and your father would go gambling and take you, you were underage and take you gambling with him. <laughs> yeah, he would. He would. It was like, how his, old were you? Uh, probably 12, 13, like around right. there. And because uh, Atlantic City had just opened up pretty much, you know, right. and it, it wasn't always there, wasn't always gambling. And uh, he loved going and he loved gambling. And I think he saw that if he brought me along, then my wife would, um, his wife Your, would think. Oh! There his you wife. go, Freudian <laughs> slip, yeah. His, his wife would think that uh, it was okay and she would let him go. She hated that he went to go gamble. But if it was a father-son outing. Right. And you were off. bad luck. You were bad luck to him. 
yeah, I wasn't, I was like, I, it never made sense to me. I was like, what are people doing? How about how they let you in the casino? I know. I would go in the casino and get drinks. <laughs> and smoke cigarettes. I and know. Just hang out at the slot they machine. They did not give a shit. Did no. you ever go to the White House uh, sub shop? Oh, of course. I can't. No. I, it's so Legendary. Good. A legendary. With the bread, and you're a bread oh, baker. I yeah. mean, they, and then they take the middle out and, sh- oh, I can't. I want it right now. <laughs> the best. <laughs> so you go to Ryder, you take acting, like you were, were you a theater yeah. major? No, I was a communications major. Right. And, um, and um, I was, commu- but I, all my time was the theater. Just, I just took all the classes. I was in every one of the plays. Were and you that, like I just the only straight there. guy? Uh, no, no. It wasn't that big of a department. There right. was, um, no, there were some other straight guys. And you were, you lived there on campus? I lived in, the, I lived on campus for the first year, two years, and then yeah. moved off campus for the final two. Yeah, very important to do that. Um, yeah, which people didn't do at Ryder. It wasn't. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah, like it was unusual that I just had some upper It was a commuter school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, a lot of kids, I mean, at Rutgers, there were a lot of dorms, but a lot of, there were a lot of commuters too. Okay, so um, I just, you know, it's interesting that you, when you were talking about George Carlin and you were talking about uh, Steve Martin, and I know Bill Cosby was also an influence for you. Uh-huh. He's a sure. great guy, by the way. Uh, the old version, the first yeah. version. You know, I, I what? All right. But I, yeah. I was thinking that you had all these and I didn't have that. I had Joan Rivers mm-hmm. and I had like I would remember seeing Tody Fields and like, you know, Mom's Mabley. But it was never this plethora of yeah. the Bill Cosby thing. I remember um, I read it. I read recently for my book, my book, yeah. me, 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 you know, that Jerry Seinfeld said that he can still listen to Bill. Mm-hmm. Like he has no issue with it at all. Right. And that kind of struck me because like, I know, I, you know, Bill Cosby was a fucking great, you cannot take away that he was a fucking amazing standup, but mm-hmm. like he, with like the Michael Jackson thing, did you watch the Michael Jackson thing? No. But I now, any music from that period of time on where I yeah. know he was like diddling, yeah. Like I, I, that's what I think about now. It's so weird, but can you listen, can you listen to the bill? And there's a, uh, first Ian Edwards, you know, Ian Edwards. I love Ian me. Edwards. We went to Israel together. He yeah. has the, he has the best joke on the Michael Jackson thing. And he says, if you watch that documentary and you still listen to his music, you're a garbage person. I have no respect for you at all. He said, I, on the other hand, can still listen to his music because I will never Watch that documentary. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. That is so funny. Do you have? And, uh, yeah. But um, but with Bill Cosby, to, to be honest, um, I would not be listening to him anyway. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I was yeah, yeah. kind of done listening. Like I loved him as a kid. Fat right. Albert, The Cosby Show. Same. Come on, seeing himself. That amazing album. Right. Just so, I mean, that amazing special. Right. Uh, it was all, it was all in. And then, you know, I saw him live, like later on when I started as a comic, I saw him at Carnegie Hall. But that that was almost like going to a museum. You know, it wasn't like, 
I was done listening to, I'm not, right. not going back and listening to old Cosby albums. So I don't know. I don't, I don't. Okay. I just, that, that, yeah, right. No, but um, I know what you mean. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you separate that stuff. And I, I mean, it's who. like now we have that with Louie. People are like, I can't listen to Louie. Cause now mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's interesting because it's that you have more information on the person. So it, it really does, especially in stand up. Like, and I talk yeah. about this, did I mention I wrote a book, but it's like, <laughs> you know, I use Coco Chanel as an example. She was a fucking Nazi. She was a Nazi. She was embedded with the Nazis. And yet you right. go to the synagogue on Rosh Hashanah, they're all wearing Chanel scarves, <laughs> Chanel bags, Chanel. And it's like, if she was a comic. Yeah. Forget. Yeah. Like the Cosby one's different because it's like confirmed, prosecuted, you know, like. Right. No doubt, you know, like the Woody Allen one is, is it's, it's, it to me seems more vague because, you know, there's. I, I I don't know. There's no definitive thing on that one. Right, right. So I it, agree. Yeah. And then so, there's and then there's the people who are so wounded. I think a lot of the people who are like, "That's it. I'm never," you know. Yeah, yeah. I think are they have been wounded in that area, and that's why they yeah act like that. It's it's really it's just we get held to a higher standard. So you um you went. To to Ryder, you were in the theater department, um, but a communications major, mm-hmm. and you wanted to be an actor. And I read somewhere that you said, "I wanted to be an actor, but then I this is like I'm misquoting you. But then yeah. I realized if I was going to be an actor, someone had to hire me. But if I was a stand up, I could just go and do it." Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. And then I got the village voice and I looked in the back and there was yeah. an ad for the New York comedy clubs, um, open mic kind of right. situation. And if I brought a couple of friends to sit in the audience, I could go on stage. And that's what I did. June you know 12th, fu- 1993. Uh, but it's so funny. Cause I remember you as a young comic and I started in the early eight in the eighties. I started, I guess I did my first set in 82, like I was not, I was at college, but yeah. I remember we never had to bring anyone. And that whole policy of you can't get on stage here unless you bring people in <laughs> was just awful. It's awful. <laughs> I think it really had a profound effect on, on, you know, some comedians who could have been great, but couldn't fill the fucking, it's awful. Yeah, I was lucky that I had friends, <laughs> and, I that know, people were, and, friend. yeah. and that people were excited to come and and do it. Where and, was uh, your first set? New York Comedy Club in the old location above the Cowboy Bar. Right. Well, I I didn't have to work there. I was. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you um you worked as a busboy. I did at Orchards. Yes. Was that New Jersey? <laughs> that was New Jersey in uh, a, in a Hilton hotel. And you did, so did you work, did you work? And then while you were doing your standup, were you? Uh, yeah, well, the orchards, that was when I was a teenager. Yeah, I right, was like I, 16. Right. And then when I was, uh, yeah, my mother, like I said, had that small advertising agency in New Jersey. Yeah. What was the name of it? Uh, e. Papa Associates. Nice. Elaine Papa. And um, I worked there until I made enough money to do standup. And she I, knew that you, that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. And yeah. what did your father? But they right. also were never, it was a farm. 
being a comedian, anything in acting, oh, that's the arts was like a right. tech country. So it was like, well, maybe I think they were quietly hoping maybe he'll just get a job and make enough money where he'll just keep working. Right. And, and you know, they didn't realize that comedy was just as stable as any other job. Ultimately. Right. And especially now <laughs> during COVID fucking 19. Yeah. Um, you did your first set. What? Like you got your first la- now. Did you know Cynthia yet? No, not yet. That so was Cynthia. That- by the way, listener, Cynthia's his wife. Yeah, uh, who's fucking later. greatest person, beautiful, just a great person. So, yeah. all right. So you, it's nineteen ninety three. You do your first set. Yeah. Who's there? Who were there? Other? Do you remember who was there? Yeah. Um, Gary. Oh, he went to work with Kimmel. I always forget his last name. He. Uh, Gary, he used to hold up pictures and put his nose through, uh, <laughs> through he, like it was like a picture of a baby with a cutout, and he put his nose through it. Oh fuck! All right, um, I don't know. I, I, I always face out his name. He's such a nice guy. Did he? I, was, um, he went, I think he still works at Kimmel. So he was hosting, and the only other comic on the show was Greg Giraldo, who is waiting in the wings. Wow! Little baby face, Greg. No facial hair. Right. sweating profusely because he was right. so nervous to go on and we became instant friends and right. uh rest and, in peace yeah. yeah yeah and uh and that was it he was like my my uh my best comedy friend and we just became pals immediately exchanged numbers and i went up and did my set and he, i watched him do his set and he had a funny joke about the fantasy island right. <laughs> and then uh and then we just became friends and we would just encourage each other to go out and, uh, and, and do shows all the time. Were you living in New Jersey at the time? I was living in New Jersey. You know, a lot of people don't, when you mentioned, you know, like for your parents, it was like so foreign that you would. Yeah. I, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, 27 miles from Manhattan and my mother, Clark, Clark, Clark. And my mother grew up in Manhattan and then they ended up and ended up having to move there, which to the detriment of my childhood. Um, And this idea, when you say my parents knew nothing, like there are people who live 15 minutes away from Manhattan who know nothing about, who don't go. There were so many people like, I'm not going to go to New York. I'm I'm not going to go. I'm going to get killed in New York. It's like literally. No, there are there are parts of South Jersey that feel like the deep south. Right. I mean, it's like, yeah, no, no. Going to New York is like going to Europe. Right. For people in New Jersey, for a large part. It's just yeah. so, it's fascinating. Yeah. So you and Greg become, it's always, you know, I just, I remember, you know, Comedy U Grand. Were you around when Comedy U Grand was around? No. no it was gone. You would have loved that club. Oh, yeah. I was emceeing the night, and I've said this before on the podcast, but- <laughs> David Tell, David Tell is like, yes, I know Judy, but I was there the night David. I was hosting the night David Tell did his first set. Wow, that's amazing. He was a student at NYU. Every oh time I God. see him, I go, I was, there. and she's like, I know Judy. But um, <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, but it's like those people you started with. Are, there's a bond. Like I cannot, you can't. It's like you, you were in war. You were I in know. a bunker with them. I know. So, so you and Greg become friends and start supporting each other and you're still working in New Jersey and then coming to the city at night. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And how long does that go on? 
Who do you meet? Where do you pass at first? What clubs did you? Um, I, Stand Up New York was the big one with Carrie, Carrie yeah. Hoffman. Carrie Hoffman. That, that was the big one. call him Coffee Breathman. Yeah, <laughs> he would, but he was... He was so nice to me in the beginning. That's where I, when I think of you in those days. Yeah, I think, I think of you of too there. Standing by the um, front. Remember Suzanne, his wife Suzanne used yeah. to like stretch and do her ballet moves. <laughs> That's right. Um, but, oh, the smell of that place was so distinct. I know. And I, and I was so excited because before I was a comedian, when I was there like in New Jersey, trying to figure out if I was going to be a comedian. I watched you do a set on Caroline's or something. Right. And was like so blown away. And with the curl and the whole thing. Oh, and I God, was just so, so in love with you before I was oh, even I a, a comedian. And then to be at Stand Up New York and like hanging around by you, it, it really opened my eyes. Like this is a, this is like a trap door into show business. Right. There's no reason I should be hanging out with, Judy Gold already. Oh, my God. I love you, Thomas. <laughs> you know what's so funny? I remember when I was in college and uh, I had done a, a talent show at Rutgers. And that's how. And um, <laughs> Adrian Tolsh, um, Bill Sheft, and Larry Amrose right. did, did the show. And I got to do five minutes on it. Anyway, so Adrian, wow. I've said this story a million times, was the, was the open mic host Right. At Catch a Rising Star. And she's like, come in, come in on a Monday. And I would go in every Monday. Anyway, um, and I remember walking in and I was like, I'm a, I can't even drink yet. I'm too yeah. young to drink. I can't, like, <laughs> to, you know, like I'm 19 and I'm standing there and Carol Leifer <laughs> walks, walks in yeah. and I'm like, oh my, and Ronnie Shakes. Do you remember Ronnie Shakes? No, someone just talks about him like yesterday. Oh, he was so funny. And I remember I saw Larry David there and Seinfeld. I mean, but I yeah. remember looking at Carol Lee Friends and I had just seen her on uh, The Tonight Show. Oh, wow. Let, was it Letterman or The Tonight Show? And I was like, oh my God. And I thought, <laughs> I'm going to be where they are. You know, like when you're so yeah. thinking, oh, well, I'll be on this next year. <laughs> you know, you don't really. It really gave, it really gave you that sense because yeah. I, I, I Carrie, you know, at Stand Up New York, all of a sudden, I moved up pretty quickly from the bringer shows yeah. and Carrie started hosting, giving, letting, letting me host the shows. Right. And that was like the first step into the regular shows where I didn't have right. to bring people. Right. And I was one night I was on stage and it was um, Ray Romano, Brett Butler and John Stewart, who wasn't John Stewart. yet. He was John Lifschultz. <laughs> and no, that's, it was no, like, it's John. No, that was, that was uh, Jeff, Jeff Ross. Lifschultz, Jeff yeah. Ross. Yeah. Um, and, but I was just like, I'm on the same stage with these people. If I, I remember thinking if I could just get as many laughs as they're getting, I I could probably stay here. Like they'll probably right. let me stay. Like right. I, there's an E they're, they're putting us on this equal playing field. And then it seems like, well, maybe it's up to me, you know, right. it's not up to a casting director. It's, it's up to me. Right. Very exciting. But Carrie, he put me in all those shows early on you, and, uh, and yeah, and then, and then I moved over to, then I got past the comic strip and then I was too scared to go to the comedy cellar for years. So I just went back and forth the comic strip and, and, uh, and stand up New York. And then eventually went downtown to the cellar. You know, it's so funny that you say, it, it just makes me think that our community is so small. Mm-hmm. It's so you know, there is sort of this level playing field. It's all about 
just getting the laughs and doing the work. And, and yeah. I, I just, yeah, I, I just, I, and the fact that you were hosting, like people don't realize when I started in the eighties, like the host was the star of the show. Right. And the host is also probably the most important part of a show. It, it sets the yeah. tone hosting and, and, you become a better comic when you, the more you host, because when you, you get to get on stage anew so yeah. many times, and when you do a bit, the bit has to be strong enough to stand on its own. It can't, you know. And, and be conversational. I right. thought that that, that was the, the thing for hosting for me. It made me go from uh, conversational to now it is a joke. Right. It merged those two together and right. made me, that was the, that was the biggest creative solve. Yeah. And a lot, there's so many people who can't post and there's so many people who can't put us who are just hosts. You know what I mean? But to to be able to meld those two, it's just, it's like the perfect storm. But then at a certain point you're like, okay, I've learned all my lessons from this. Right. Now I'm not going to host anymore. (laughs) Right. Thank you so much for listening to part one of kill me now with my friend, Tom Papa. Make sure to tune in next week for part two. If you like the show, which how could you not, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review. It helps more people find this amazing podcast. Five stars only, please. And if you haven't had the chance to pre-order my new book, yes, I can say that. When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. It's available for pre-order now and will be released on July 28th. I also just finished recording the audiobook and it's going to be great. Booklist, which is a very important website, reviewer company, it's for the li- all the librarians. They reviewed the book and said that it's a powerful and powerfully funny argument in support of how vital free speech is to comedy and comedy is to us. So there you go. It would mean so much to me if you would check it out. All pre-order links are on the homepage of judygold.com or wherever books are sold. And as always, make sure to follow me on Twitter and on Instagram for all upcoming virtual dates at Judy Gold at J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. You know, like Jew Gold. And please stay, stay safe, stay healthy, and let's do the right thing. And as we always say, so long. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, for, it's Just Kill Me. Oh. Don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's <laughs> just, just Kill Me. Now. No, no, Judy no. Gold's Just no, Kill Me. Just Kill Me Now. Just Kill Me Now.